Hello sports fans and welcome to another edition of Yesterday's Sports on the Sports History Network. Today's guest is two-time national weightlifting champion Mike Listro. Mike was also a teenage national champion in 1984 and holds a total of five New Jersey records in two different weight classes. I had the pleasure of training with Mike for a couple of years back in the 1980s. And if you were going to train with Mike, you better come prepared because it was pedal to the metal, 100% all-out maximum effort on every lift. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. Good to have you. So, Mike, uh, what got you interested in Olympic weightlifting? Well, it was kind of like two things. Um, I watched uh, back in 1977, it was a, a movie, Rocky. Rocky came out, Rocky won. And that kind of got me started with the weights, okay? Right. And so that that inspired me. I was like 13 years old. But then the next year, I watched the uh, Senior Nationals on, and I think they were in York, Pennsylvania in 78. And it was on uh, Wide World of Sports. And when I saw it, I said, wow, I, I definitely, you know, want to do that. So I had the, I, I didn't have the Olympic weights. I had like the, like the free weights, like the, right. the bar was maybe 15, 20 pounds. And I was training on that. Right. And, and I started, I, tr basically I got uh sport, uh, not sport, uh, I'm sorry, strength and health. And with those articles in strength and health, I basically, taught myself and used a lot of their um, training tools, uh, articles on guys and used their methods to basically do routines and stuff. Right, right. Okay. So in your early years of competing, well, tell us that story about uh, you You uh, went, you said you went to a meet uh, to as a spectator and the, and the next thing you knew you were competing the next day? Yeah, I, um, me, me, my dad took me, it was in uh, 1980. It was, uh, before my first competition. Uh, it was a meet in Belleville. Okay. And Bucky Cairo was the, uh, the coach of the Belleville Barbell Club. And, um, so I came down there to watch. And then after the competition was over, I remember we were in the back room and he was, I had, uh, it was 40 kilos on the bar and he goes, show me what you got. So I took it. I was, right. I was about 114 pounds, 52 kilos back then. And, uh, and he goes, wow, you got pretty good technique. And he goes, do you have a coach? I said, no, I just coached myself. He goes, well, there's a meet in McBurney tomorrow. Would you want to go? I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I competed in that meet. And I remember I was overweight. I didn't have a, I don't even think I had an AAU card. And I ran into Rudy Sablo. Right. And he gave me such a hard time. I was almost in tears. And, uh, but they let me compete. And I was an overweight 52 ki kilo. And uh, I think my first lifts, yeah, were 60 and 82. 60 kilo snatch, clean jerk 82. And the total was 142. And I won. And I won first place. And, and the rest, basically after that, uh, I I became obsessed. And Bucky right. became my coach. Okay. 
And then uh, you competed in a lot of the Junior Olympics and uh, also Teenage Nationals. So, Yeah, my first Junior Olympics was in Waterloo, Iowa. That was in 1980. And we drove in a station wagon 24 hours with Butch. Oh, it was insane. With Butch Toth driving and... I don't know who else. There was another guy driving. We had Kenny Raypack, John Hoffman. We picked up Kurt White on the way there. It was insane. We all in one car. And uh, but I, I had a great meet, and I wound up tying for first place against Nephi Judd. I did um, sixty-seven five and ninety-two point five all PRs. And totaled 160. But since I was like, I think it was about maybe a pound uh, heavier than him. Right. He won, he won first place. Right. That was tiebreaker. Yeah. Tiebreaker. Yeah. Yep. 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 So then tell us about your experience of lifting in the, uh, you lifted in the 1983 Junior Pan American Games. Yeah, the Pan American Games were I believe they were out in Colorado Springs, if yes. And I was, by that time, I was 67.5. And I competed against, I think I got third place. Um, Couture, I can't remember his first name, got first. Jeff Mormel got second, and I got I got third. I did 107 and 132, and I was at 67.5. So that was kind of my first big international meet and uh, I got to stay at uh, Colorado Springs as well. Oh, all right. So yeah. you're now, that, now in 1985, you move up to the 75 kilo weight class. Well, you, the one, one thing I wanted to tell you, the sure. most, the biggest thing that um, in 83 also, I went to the teenage nationals and I got fourth place and it was in Minnesota and I was really, really upset. I don't think I put that in my notes. Um, and I did a hundred kilos and 135, 235 for fourth place. I got destroyed. I wasn't happy. I remember talking to my parents on the phone and, uh, you know, I was just really unhappy and it gave me. For the next year, the 84 Nationals, I trained like a maniac. Right. And I wound up winning that. And that was in uh, Ohio. I snatched 110 kilos, clean and jerk 142, and totaled 252 for first place. And missed going to the Junior Worlds by five kilos, which would have been in in Italy. That was 257.5. That was basically my last year as a uh, teenage national. So I just uh, wanted to throw, teenage, throw that out there. Teenage nationals. And then yeah, so I was only, a, only five kilos away from the junior, junior yeah. world. Holy junior man. world. And Mark, the next year they changed all the totals. They lowered the totals and you took like a full team. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you missed it. You missed it by a year. Right. But, you missed it by one year. Yeah. Yeah. So then 1985, you move up to the 75 kilo weight class. Yeah. Qualified for your first senior nationals. Yes. And, Not only and, qualified, but, but uh, no, I'll let you tell the story. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I qualified for the nationals and it was in Washington, D.C. 
And uh, I remembered that during the time the uh, in the warm-up room, there was this big thing about putting powder on your thighs. Wow. And I always liked putting the powder on the thighs, and it was illegal, but it made the bar go up easier. Yeah. And they gave, they were on me like stalking me. And that, I think that affected me a lot because I uh, snatched 120, clean jerk 150, and total 270 for third place. I, I, because I did some nice lifts in training. Uh, I, I think I did 55 and 25 in training, which probably would have won first place. But I wound up, uh, John, I'm trying to think who won first, John Orlando won first. Uh, Jim Holt won second and I won third for my first national championship. Well, that's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. And then, uh, well, let's see. So then uh, the, the following year, ni 1986, you really make it to the big time and you qualify for your first international competition. And that was in Hungary, right? Yeah, that was that was for the Panoya Cup. And that's where I saw the likes. I was in the same elevator as Mikhail Petrov and Naim Sulemanev. Wow. How about that? It, and if you looked at these guys, you would think they could lift nothing. Right. But they, when I saw them lift on stage, they were like, it was like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. And they weren't, they weren't in the best of shape, but they still put up some nice weights. Right, right. And then, so we go to 1987, you left in the Montreal Cup, you placed yeah. second? Yes, I placed uh, second in that meet, and, and that was a meet that I got chosen for, and uh, I snatched uh, 122.5, and I clean jerk 162.5 for the 285 uh, total. Now, during that time, what, what was happening was, um, I when I first... To go back a little, I first trained by myself, right. and then I went. To, then I went to Belleville to train, and then when I started driving, then I went to started training at West Orange. Right. Uh, I I think and I I think I met you there, and I met George. George was training there. We had Dan Dvorak, Dave Dvorak, a whole bunch of guys. Wentel Juski. So we, we trained there, and then uh, from West Orange. Then from there, um, we went to St. Cecilia. Uh, no, no. Then it was back to Belleville. Right, right. Training with yourself. I was training with uh, Mike Rinaldi. Right. Uh, we'll get up to him, and yeah. then we'll, we'll, we'll get from there. I'll tell you what happened from there. Right. We had quite a few good lifters there. John Hoffman. George yeah. Gura. Uh, we had Dave Gottsall. Yes. Yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah, that was a shame. That was tragic, yep. Yep. Uh, then uh, 1987, you also uh, won another medal at the at the Nationals, right? Yes. I lifted in Livona, Michigan, and I wound up uh, – uh, this was my uh, – actually my third Nationals – um, and I got third place the year before in 86, I, I got fourth place, but I increased my clean and jerk to 157.5, which was a PR and my 280 kilo total 
was a PR as well. So, you know, PRs in weightlifting, even if they're a quarter of a pound, we take it. Right. You're, sure. You're right about that. Now, uh, wow, so 1987 is a really big year for you because then you qualified for the under-23 European Tour. Yes. Let me get my notes on, on that. Yeah, that was uh, – and, and mind you, this whole time I was working at the post office. I only had three years in the post office. So, you know, I'm getting chosen to all these meets – but as long as I say that, you know, I am um, competing for the U S team, right. it was like, they had to let me go. Now this thing was 21 days and in basically in the middle of the summer, people are picking prime time vacation and they're like, you're going to let this guy go again. And they said, well, this guy's, you know, lifting right. uh, in a in a junior European tour, and we got to let him go because he's competing for our country. Right, right. Which was a, a big thing. So, but I competed in uh, four meets. Um, one was Sweden, uh, where I got first place. I did the one twenty seven five and one sixty, and then Germany. I got first again. I did 125 and 152. And then France, France was, was, was crazy. Cause we're all, I remember this like it was yesterday. We're all in the warm room and my snatches, everything's going great. I'm looking at the bar and my snatches are great. I get on the platform and there's a different bar. Oh, and, I, and I'm looking and I'm like, where, where am I going to grab it? So my first snatch, I almost dislocated my elbow. I was like this wide. Right. I was like, but somehow, somewhere I went three for three. I went 22, 27, 130. Right. Okay. In, in the clean and in the snatch and in the clean and jerk. I did 55, 60. And I think I missed 62, five. I, I, I don't remember, but I told 290. So that was. That was a nice accomplishment. And then in England was the last part of the tour. I did 25 and 55. But competing in all these meets in 21 days was like, wow. Yeah. It was, you know, constant 100% all the time. Yeah. That's got to be tough. Yeah, it was tough. But this now, the, so the hand spacing on the bar was different than the bar in the warm-up room. Yeah, and you know, usually I, I I take it for a given that it's the same. And right. when I got out there, I'm looking at the coach. He's looking at me, and, and he's got to look like, <laughs> like I was like, could you give me like a a tape measure? Yeah, I learned to. Uh, that happened to me one time, and from that from that time on, I I learned to keep a tape measure in my gym bag. Yep. That in case it happened, I I could just. Take out the uh, tape measure and measure the bar. Yeah. So uh, now is this this is another one? Is this in 1987 again? You competed in the under 23 nationals. Yes, that was where basically I qualified uh, for the trials. That was in Connecticut, and I snatched 130 and I clean jerk 165. And I told 295, and that, uh, you know who held that meet? The guy from Connecticut. The I uh, can't remember his name. Big guy. Gankars, Frank Gankars. There you go. Yep. 
And I had one of my best meets there, and I qualified. That was on September 19th, 1987. So I qualified in advance for the trials in that meet. And you're five. You're only five kilos away from the 300 total. Yeah, which I never was able to get. And nowadays, with the way they do the kilos, 131, 132, yeah. I think I could have done... 134 and 166 or maybe 3367 it's i know i could have done it if it was that way but when you have to go two and a half kilos so hard you know if, if now i'm trying to remember if i remember correctly from your from your first attempt to your second didn't you have to take a five kilo jump five kilo yep you had to be five kilo jump and then from your second to third it had to be at least two and a half Two and a half. Wow. And, and nowadays, I, I believe you can go 130, 131, 132. Yeah, you can take anything you want now. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> whole different ball game. Yeah, you probably would have had a better, a much better chance of getting yeah. 300 total. Now uh, we go to 1988, and you're competing in Australia. Yes, I got a invitation to go to the Moomba in Australia and I competed and while I was over there I got very very sick oh. and and I knew during the competition I had absolutely no legs and I knew something was wrong right. just how you know your body I knew my body I said oh my god something is not right, right. I came back to the room that night I was rooming with uh, Jimmy Hult and I'm trying to think who else. There was one other guy. Can't remember his name. And I was just up chucking all night. Wow. Finally, the, the coach came in and he goes, listen, have you been drinking? And I said, no, I haven't been drinking. I just don't feel good. So they wound up making a long story short. They took me to the hospital. And basically, they gave me a shot of something to calm down whatever was going on. And I stopped heaving. But I did have temperature. Just wasn't, I must have caught a bug, you know, before I went there or during when I was there. And literally, I stayed in the hotel room after, after that happened and just was watching the competition on TV. Zakharovich was lifting for the Russians. He was there. He was, he was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy's huge. Same guy who snatched 212 in, in 88. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> Then you, then you, uh, after after Australia, you went uh, to the nationals again. Yes, went to the nationals and uh, I got second place. And I did a PR snatch one thirty two five, clean and jerk sixty two five one sixty two five, and I totaled two ninety five. Uh, and I was, uh, and this is where uh, second time I saw uh, Roberto Uritia. And he uh, basically defected from Cuba, and he was the the, the odds-on favorite to uh, take the seventy-five kilo uh, slot to go to uh, the Seoul Olympics. That's right. I remember. I remember him. Yeah, and and it was funny. I competed against him in uh, New York, and I remember. Uh, his first snatch was 125 kilos, and he's standing over the bar, and the time ran out. So he looks, and Murray Levin was coaching him, and he's like going like this, 
and they gave him the attempt over again. And I said, what's this? You know, this is a time clock. <laughs> I was like, wow, talk about preferential treatment. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I, I really got, I got along with um, Roberto. He's a great guy, real fun loving guy. Wasn't cocky, wasn't anything. Just a super, super nice guy. I went to a few meets with him and, and he was, he was I actually kept in touch with him for a while. And then we fell out of touch, but really a great guy. All right, that's a good story. Yeah. So now you start training for the Olympic trials. Uh, now, <laughs> all right, so I know I was there with you. So tell our yes. listeners what it was like training at the Belleville Barbell Club. The Belleville Barbell Club was like training in a – like like you were chicken on a barbecue. <laughs> it was so, so hot. Every day, I mean, they'd have this fan at the beginning of the door with the door open, and that was it. And all you see from all the guys that were training there were puddles of water just yep. pouring off of them. Yeah. Okay? It, it must have been 110, 120 degrees all the time. It was so, so difficult to train. But – we did it. And when I, when I trained for the, the Olympic trials, I was working as well in the heat and everything, and then would come here to train in more heat. And I told you it was one story where I decided to drink some orange juice, and which was a no-no. And when you're dehydrated, drink orange juice, I just threw up. Right. And, but I kept training. Because my motto was, you know, if you're gonna stop because of something like that, you're not you're not a winner. You just got you just got to train through it. No pain, no gain. You just got to keep training. So uh, I had a lot of fond memories there. Uh, I mean, it was just if if you were able to train in those conditions, you can train in anything yeah. because hot. No water. You had to bring your own water, I believe. Yeah. Bathroom. There was one bathroom upstairs. Yeah. And but it was the mega of weightlifting. You had, I believe, there's two platforms. You had the main platform and the one on the end. Yeah. You had some squat racks. You had all you needed to train like a maniac. Yeah. That was it. Now I I remind I remind myself that now every time I'm doing a workout. And it's a hot day, and I'm sweating. I just remind myself this: this is nothing. This is nothing. I survived the Belleville Barbell <laughs> Club. I survived right. this. <laughs> yeah, because um, I'd like to tell it. It was under the bleachers, right? The stadium. The bleachers had the sun baking on it, and then baking on us. That's right. So we were like bacon. <laughs> no windows. No windows. Uh -oh. It was like it was like kind of like a prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm surprised nobody fainted or or you know or just dropped because those conditions were well, rough. I don't think we realize. Uh, I realize it now, but I don't think we realized at the time because we were so young what tremendous condition we must have been in. Yeah, to been able to train under those under those conditions. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of the athletes today, not to take anything away from them, but um, we were old school. You okay. gave us a barbell and we had to train. Like when I used to train in my basement, there was one part of the house was heated, but the part of the basement that wasn't heated was where I trained. So I'd be blowing smoke. It was cold, and I'd be doing snatches, clean jerks with a hat on, right. just crazy stuff because I was obsessed with the sport. Right. I loved the sport. It was a 24-7 thing for me. Right. You know, when I, when I was in – just to backtrack a little, when I was in high school, I would – be writing down my schedule on what I'm going to do that day. Right. I had a pap paper route. I finish up my paper route and I'd be training at like four o'clock in the afternoon, training like crazy. I had my squat racks, my weights. My parents got me my first Olympic weight set when I was 16. Right. And that basically started everything. And uh, But it was just tunnel vision from day one. And that's what you need in this sport. If you do not have 100% tunnel vision, you, you won't be able to make it. It has to be just all, all lifting. Right. I missed out, on, missed out on a ton of things probably, but I'll never regret it because I look back at the memories and say, oh, my Lord, yeah. look at what I accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Now, tell us about the Olympic trials. Okay, so I went to the Olympic trials in 88, and they were in Florida, and a uh, little dejected, and I wound up getting third place behind uh, Roberto Uritia. He wound up uh, winning first and going to Seoul. Second place was Gary Savage, and uh, third was myself. Uh, I snatched 130 on my opener, and I missed 135 twice, once in the front, once behind. And I remember the one one thing I remember out of the, the first 135 was when I missed it, Kurt White went after me and he took 135 and he flew off the stage with it. So the bar went off the stage. So they had to reconstruct everything and I had to retrain for the next 135. So I would go downstairs in the warm-up room because they had to bring the weights back on. I'm surprised because we were on a stage. Right. Okay. And it went flying off the stage. He just went running and it just went flying. So I had to get, by the time they re-recovered from all this, I had to basically go down and snatch 110, 120 and work back up. So by the time I got to 135, it was like 15 minutes because oh, it was goodness. other guys taking 135 for their opener. I think we had Arn Kritzky because we were competing with, the 75 kilo and the 82 fives, unfortunately. I kind of wish to this day it was just us, just, yeah. just the 75 kilo, but it wasn't. So then you had Jim Hyde, a whole bunch of great athletes. You know, Jimmy Holt, it was just a ton of guys competing on that platform. So, but all in all, it was my a great experience. I got third. Um, I was a little unhappy with my lifts. I, I figured I could have done a little better, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I accomplished a lot up until this point. Right. Okay. Now, was, was uh, the 135, is that the most that you, you ever attempted in the snatch? Yes. I attempted it three times, and the three times was in New York, 
Uh, in February of 1990, I attempted it, and those two times. It's the only time I attempted it. Okay. Now, uh, we go to the... So, uh, 1989, uh, tell us about the, the Nationals. Okay. 19... Hold on. Let me get my notes here. Okay. 1989, I went to my fifth Nationals, and I was back in... Um, Belleville, and I was, if you remember, Rinaldi was training uh, me, and yeah, and he was giving me all these crazy training, and I think Bucky was there too, and Bucky's like, ah, you guys, and he's overtraining you, and this and that, because we were using all bizarre stuff, but I was in really, really good shape, and I wound up winning my first national championship, and I thought I was in really better shape for the clean and jerk because my first attempt in the clean jerk was 160 and I did it easily. And then I tried 65. I got rocked back and then 67. I, I, I tried and didn't even clean it. So, uh, and I snatched 132. So, but that victory was my first in my fifth. It was my fifth senior national. And the first time I won first place. So I was really, really psyched, but I remember one thing. I'm on the I'm on the flight home and Rinaldi's sitting next to me. And I remember telling Mike Rinaldi, who coached me in Belleville for the champ, I said to him, I'm happy I won, but I didn't do PRs. His response was, Are you kidding me? You just won nationals. You're the best in the country in your weight class. You're worried about PRs. <laughs> and and again it was that tunnel vision, never happy, never content. I mean, here I am, top of the world. I won my first nationals, but I didn't make PRs. So I wasn't 100% happy, maybe 95% happy. Yep. But that's what makes champions. That's right. That's right. Always got to go for the PRs. Yes. Now tell us about the. So not too long after that, you're uh, competing at the sports festival. Yes, that was in uh, Oklahoma City and uh, went to the sports festival. I was chosen and I did uh, 132.5 and 160 for the 292 total. And that was at 75 kilo. And I beat uh, Marty Zambukas. He was from the sports palace. I remember me and Marty were good friends, went on a lot of international trips. And it was uh, it was a close competition, but but I wound up winning. And then uh, I believe after after that, the sports festival kind of like they didn't have it anymore and they might have changed the name of it. Yeah. Or they might. Uh, I'm not sure. But down the road, they just stopped having it. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why they stopped that. Uh, but then uh, so so then you start training. I remember this place, too. You start training at St. Cecilia. And Englewood, which was yes. basically like we were just lifting in a locker room. Yeah, basically you walk into a men's locker room and there's lockers to the left and the right. And there's a platform and a barbell there. And to the left of us is basically a shower. And in the back of us was a sink. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, and basically we had, you were training there, George was training there, Rinaldi. We had, uh, who was the, the, the one, 
trying to think what his name was. He was trained there, short guy. I, I, I can't. He was 75 kilo as well. I, I think I remember I his first name, but I can't remember his last. His first name was Mike, right? Um, Mike Longo. Mike Longo. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Mike, Mike, I don't think Mike, no, it wasn't Mike. No, Mike, trained trying to think Mike Longo. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. yeah. I know the guy you're and talking he was, about, but I can't, I can't recall his name. Yeah. Mike was training on the Bobby, uh, Wentel juice. That's right. And uh, yeah. So, but we, um, when we were training, it, it was insanity. And this is where I, was training more with you, and I was training under the tutelage of Bill Hall. Right, Bill started. This is where I met Bill Hall, and he started really putting the Bulgarian system into effect. Right. I mean, it was just. I mean, I remember doing hyper extensions with sixty-five kilos on my back right. in in the yeah. science room. Yeah, it was like it was like crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, so it was he had me, I mean, really probably in the best shape of my life going into those 1990 nationals, trying to maintain two-time national champion, which you know and I know it's hard to win it once, let alone twice. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Now, did you know? And Go ahead. I don't know. Just This is just like a side note. I, I don't think I even realized it at the time. But uh, Vince Lombardi coached and taught. He was a teacher and a coach at that at that school, Saint Cecilia. Wow, yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah, and you know, you knew his methods. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his methods were old school, hardcore. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, you win the nationals for the second year in a row. But then in nineteen ninety, yeah, this, yeah, go ahead, yeah, nine, yeah, nineteen ninety. Um, I was, you know, I was super prepared, believe it or not, for the snatch. I really thought I was going to make thirty five there, one thirty five there, and the clean and jerk. I was like having problems in training. I remember having gripping problems, and I'm like, the most I did in training prior to going there was one fifty seven five. Okay, but in February, February, this was way prior to it, I did 160 for five singles in training. And that's when I tried 67.5 a few times, and I kept getting knocked back with it. I just had one of those great nights. But in preparation for this, right. the, the Nationals, I was in better shape snatch-wise in the clean and jerk. So when we get there, what happens? My snatches are going good. I go out for my first attempt. I missed my first attempt, 127, come back, make it, and then I missed 132.5. And at this point, I'm like super disappointed. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm thinking, man, I was thinking 30, 32, 35, 27. What's this? So then in the clean and jerk, I just caught fired. I did. Uh, I remember doing 150 in the right. warm-up room before I went out for my 160 and I came up with it like Krilovich came out right. with a clean. He just cleaned it. Well, it was like a broomstick. And I said, this is going to be my day. I know it. I'm going to do something special today. And I did it. The 165 on my third attempt, which I needed to beat yeah. Tripolsi, 
to beat him. And I did that lift. And that was to uh, maintain uh, two years in a row being national champion. And he needed 167 to beat me. He still had one attempt to go. He cleaned it and he missed the jerk. And I was like, yes. I was like, I was on, I was like, my God, this is not happening. Two, two years in a row, two-time national champion. So I was very, very happy. But again, that little in my head, I'm I'm like, all right, I did 292.5, but I was thinking 35 and 65, you know, I think of more better in the snatch and less in the clean and jerk. And it was the reverse. It just goes to show you, you can prepare and prepare, prepare, and you never know what to expect when you get, as soon as you get on that yeah, platform. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the 165 clean and jerk. Now, the the clean was, was not easy, correct? Right. It was not but, easy. Uh, but It was not easy. But I knew if I cleaned it, I was going to jerk it. Because in training, I jerked from the racks 180. And I neck jerk 195. I did that West, West Orange. And I actually tried 200 kilos from behind the neck, and I missed it. I had insane behind the, behind the back. Actually, when I was in Australia, I did 182.5 from the back neck jerk, and the coach, Coach Schmidt, he goes, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? <laughs> I said, I like doing these. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, uh, I, I remember watching you compete, and no matter how tough the clean was, uh, the the jerk. Uh, there was nobody that did a better split jerk than Mike Lee. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, I just had I had the you know the clean was always tough, but I knew that even if I stood there for twenty five seconds, I was going to blast it. You know, and I could always make uh, make it. And and after I put that weight down, I was like, oh my lord. I was on top of the world. But again, still, Trabusi had one oh. attempt to go. So, I mean, if he makes that 67.5, he beats me, but he just didn't have enough right. in the tank right. to, to make it. Okay, so. I didn't realize that uh, he still had another attempt. Now, no, uh, yeah. so yep. now 1991 is when you run into the, the knee issue. Yeah, I, I had the uh, torn cartilage and um, I was training with it and uh, it was very tough. So coach Bulgarian Bill Hall Abajiev made a basically a routine with mostly a ton of clean pulls, a ton of lifts and basically barely any squats. So we really didn't do much of any squatting at all. For this, for this competition for the Nationals because right. my knees just couldn't take it. So I uh, wound up going to Minnesota, and this was my seventh national championship. And I snatched 127.5, clean jerked 155, and I totaled 282.5 for fourth place. And actually Jeff Macy, the guy that competed the uh, year before, he got he got third place and this time he got first place. And his winning lifts, believe it or not, were 130 and 160. And if somehow, some way, I tried 130, missed it. And somehow, some way, if I could have pulled off a 60, which I tried and wasn't even close because I didn't have no leg strength, 
I could have been a three-time national champion, yeah. but would have, could have, don't do yeah. it. So then you have to have the uh, the knee surgery. The knee, yeah. Um, the knee surgery I got in uh, May of 91, and that kept me out for some time. And uh, basically, uh, I didn't compete in any meets in uh, 92. 93, I think I competed in the uh, Jersey. I think it was one meet. Uh, it was in Gutenberg. It was the, um, I think, the Jersey um, Jersey, uh, Jersey State, State Championships. Uh, 94, 95, started competing. And this one I met um, right. was me meeting Leo Totten. And I was training for, uh, what was it, Gold okay. Coast Barbell Club, I believe it was. And, uh, we yeah, I was training under them. And I had Alfred Risk. He was training. So, um, and then uh, 1996, I, I went to uh, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. And that was basically my first real international meet since 91. And uh, I wound up placing second in my category, 75, and I did 125 and 157, and I, the competition was 76 kilos, okay, and I did 282.5, yeah, yeah, they started changing the weight class, and then the, the following year, I went to my last, last senior nationals, and that was in Minneapolis, and I actually competed at an overweight, um, 77 the, uh, the weight class was 77 and I think I weighed 78 in change and I snatched 130 clean and jerk 157 and and uh, my total was 287 and I got second place and that was my eighth senior national and I remember again if I could have done the 160 I could have had the 290 and I could have basically won the meet because the reason why I stepped up to 70 from 77, Tim McRae was lifting at 77. So I figured I had a better chance of competing. And that was my only real meet at 80. Uh, I think it was 82, 83 kilos. I think that was the weight class. So uh, I wind up, you know, uh, doing the 130, 157. And that was my eighth so and last really, senior uh, national. At a pretty big disadvantage because you were way underweight for that weight class. You were like, yeah, you were like five. Yeah, way underweight. Yep. Yeah, and I, I was having tremendous problems. That was another thing I was running into uh, uh, these meets. I was having a lot of trouble cutting the weight to 165, then 170. And in the last in the last meet, the Garden State games, I think I weighed right right on the nose. I think it was uh, uh, 77 kilos right on the nose, or it might have been 76 uh, back then. But I remember right on the nose. And, I, and this is how I knew it was going to be my last meet. On the way to the competition, I was driving to the meet. If you can picture this, I'm dehydrated. And I'm like, I just want to get oh, to the meet. Man. And my car's transmission blew. So here I am on Route 80. The cop is saying, what's wrong? I said, I think my transmission blew. So he gets a tow truck for me. This guy tows me to the meet in Gutenberg. 
And I told him, I said, I'll call you when I'm done. You can tell me back. So it was, I was, it was, it was the most bizarre thing. This is how you could tell this was it for me. So I, I competed and I won and I did uh, 120 in the snatch and 145 in the clean and jerk for, for a total of 265 kilos. And during that time, you know, just making the weight, plus the weights were starting to go down a little. I just wasn't strong enough anymore. Had everything going against me and, and the enthusiasm to make it to the level where I was before. I knew I, I just reality set in. I said, you know what? I'm never going to make these big lifts ever again. Wow. And that was it. I packed it in. Well. Never competed ever again. Yeah. So I went out winning. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I know I can't do better than this. My body's wearing down. The weight class is tough. The new the new crew is coming so in. By that time, you my were time is done. Thirty five, and that was 35 it. Thirty five years old. Let's see, ninety nine. Uh, say twenty four. Thirty five. So uh, yeah. minus. Yep, yes, thirty five. When yes. Uh, most athletes start slowing down. Yeah, and uh, but basically, I had my weights right. in my garage, but I just loved training. But the competition yeah. part, I was I was still going a little ballistic in the garage, doing crazy stuff. But competing-wise, I was done. Now, during this time from like 2000 to like 2010, right. Mark Kappas from Pennsylvania, a longtime friend, he had me coaching him. And he was trying to push me into the Masters. And I kept telling him, I said, Mark, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm just done. I know when I was done and uh, just never, he wound up competing. He wound up getting hurt, you know, and then he had to stop competing. So, but I, I went to a few master opens with him and uh, it was just the desire. What, when the desire and the vision is not there, that's it. Even if it's, you're at 97%, you need that 3%. You always got to be a hundred percent and you know, your body's got to be working right. Your mind's got to be working right because your mind is everything. You can you can look at that barbell, and as soon as you grab it, if one That's thing goes in your right. head that yeah. I'm not going to make it, you're not going to make that lift. It could be one, one split, split second, second and that's so, it. You're not going to make it. Yeah. So, Mike, yeah. after uh, you retired, yep. uh, what, what, uh, did you, what kind of uh, – did you have any uh, – Hobbies that you pursued, or or did were you mainly just biggest? I gotta say this: there was kind of like you remember when Jordan retired from the NBA, then he went to baseball, and then he went from baseball. He didn't know what to do with himself. Golfing, there was a void left inside of me that I think till this day I never filled. It. Basically, uh, did a lot of training downstairs uh -huh. then because uh, I live in a condo. I had a platform down there. And again, it, it was crazy because sometimes, you know, with the garage, it'd be like 20 yeah. degrees and my neighbors are watching me train and I'm breathing smoke. And they're like, this guy is crazy. Right. Or if it's like 100 degrees, I got the door open, I'm sweating bullets. And they're like, why are you doing this? I said, because I just love to, you know, train. But... Um, they started helping uh, Mark. Um, I was kind of like his coach. But 
that void inside of me, you can never, it, it was really, really difficult to, to let, I mean, my mind was saying, oh, right. I can do it. I can do it. But the body was saying something else. So I really never replaced it. Uh, I mean, I got into, um, I could say playing softball, right. you know, um, you know, for the, uh, for the town. So uh, I kind of got right. into that, but I was still, you know, still training with the weights, you know, I was still doing that. But then the big, the big thing happened to me and this, where I really stopped, uh, with the weights was August of 2012. I was playing basketball on a beautiful summer night and I went, so I was dribbling, and next thing I know is oh, man. my right calf wow. snapped. Right. Blew my calf out. First thing I thought, it was my Achilles. But it wasn't. It it was probably the worst injury I ever had yeah. job-wise and competition-wise because I couldn't walk. It, and right. it was kind of like a weird thing, Mark. I was There was another kid shooting hoops. And I thought he threw a rock at my back of my calf because that's what it says. When it snaps, it's the equivalent of somebody throwing a rock at your calf because it just snaps. And it's like that. Right. And for the next two months, I was out of work. Couldn't work. You know, and then I had a strain to my bicep tendon. So then I started getting really all these injuries. That was 2012. And basically, my biggest challenge was... 2012 to 2020 was, I retired in 2020, was surviving every day at work. You know, I had the calf, you know, that I was having problems with. It would stiffen up constantly. Then I had the strain, uh, the uh, bicep tendonitis. So all these little things. And I think it was the right foot that I split on. So there was so much pressure on it. And maybe just the wear and tear from right, right. you know all all these years that did it, wow. and it finally just snapped like a like a celery stick. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, and and then and you know me, the next day, right. the next right. day, what do I do? I don't call in sick. I go to work limping, and and not only limping, they took me out on inspection. And my boss is telling my postmaster, he goes, this guy can't even walk. I'm trying to go up a hill. It took like nine hours to do the route. He goes, I think Mike's going to be out for a while. And then that same day, I went to a doctor and they said, listen, all you have to do is rest it for like two months and the calf will naturally reattach. But you got to rest, nothing else. So I told him at work, I got to take at least two months off. Uh-huh. And during that time, I was watching the Olympics in London. So that was, I had my foot up and I was watching the London Olympics. And that was, that was a treat, you know, watching that. So, but yeah, from 12 to 20, uh, after, after that basketball incident, yeah. that, that was it. Never, never really touched the weight again after that, wow. after 2012. I, so I haven't touched exactly. the weight in you mentioned what, 11 that, years. Uh, the feeling you had yeah. of someone throwing a rock. You f- felt like someone threw a rock at you. I know exactly what you're describing. But the only serious injury I really ever yep. had was uh, I tore the tendon in my elbow. And I had that same – I had that same – I actually – I had the weight over my head oh. when the tendon snapped. 
and I actually thought that someone threw a weight at my elbow. But then, you know, I, I put the weight down, and I, re- I, I, I actually started looking around to see who threw a weight at me. But I, who, you know, who, nobody would throw a weight at me. Why would someone throw a weight at me? Yeah. And then I realized, wow, I started to feel yeah. it in my elbow. And I realized, wow, I, I think I just, the tendon just snapped. It's a, it's a strange feeling. Yeah, it's it was the weirdest okay. feeling because I was like, oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? I'm like, this has never happened to right. me before. I mean, I've had injuries, but not ones I can't walk. And it was my right foot. Right. So it affected my driving. It affected everything. So, and uh, I mean, I went through hell for eight years in the postal service and, and again, using same thing with tunnel vision every day, I'd be like, you can make it, make believe you're training, training. And every day was a mission to make it through that day. And I just kept, kept going and going and going. So, and I think that's what Olympic weightlifting taught me that you have a job to do. And the job was to train, train at a hundred percent or nothing at all. And yeah. when I go to work, it was the same mentality, hundred percent or nothing at all. I do. I work part time now. Same same thing. I always always want to challenge myself in anything I do, you know. And I think that's important in competing, setting goals, setting PRs, even if it's one kilo, just. Goal oriented. And one thing I could say, I have all the diaries, probably, probably 70 diaries from the day I started training to the last day. They have diaries of everything vitamins, competitions, you have it all written down. training, everything, what I ate, what I weighed. Everything written down. So when when I pass away someday, they're going to be like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> this guy was insane. Well, Mike, it was a pleasure to, to have this interview. Been wanting to do it for a Yeah, and I, I want to I thank you, Mark. This was – it brought back – I had goosebumps oh, during yeah, this whole time because it brought there. back a lot of, a lot of great memories. memories. If we don't hold on to the memories, what do we yeah. have? Yep. Yeah. What? Right, exactly. And you know what? My mom always yep. says that to me, even though she's going through what she's going, she can remember. And that's because once you stop remembering, then you, 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 you don't have everything, anything. Right. And every year I always post that 1990 national victory because I want to – that I want that memory, I'll be like, hey, 50 years from now, you can't take it away from me. I was a two-time right. national champion. This this was an accomplishment that I did That's on right. my own. And some people, you know, it was me kind of against the barbell. Say, oh, well, you're living in the past, but I don't, I don't think having uh, happy memories. I don't, I don't see that as living in the past. I think you're just you're, you're remembering something that was very important in your life and. Uh, thank God we have those memories. Yeah, and it's something that I'll never never want to let go. And a lot of people ask me about it. And now, 
you know, I wasn't the type that'll be like, oh, I'm a two-time national champion. Even like when I was uh, delivering mail, a lot of the people, there was newspaper <laughs> articles, people would be, and they would see the community life and they'd be like, is this you? And I said, right. yeah. And they said, why didn't you tell us? And I said, well, I'm just not that type. You know, unless, uh, now, my other other people, you know, right. they would be like, oh, you know, I'm this, I'm that. I wasn't just that, I, I wasn't that way. I was the type well, that that's was, one of the things unless I somebody liked about asked me, I would, I would tell them. Was that uh, most of the Olympic lifters were very humble and, like you said, you know, very few uh, of the lifters that would brag about their yep. accomplishments. It was very much like a like a family, uh, you know, like a fraternity kind of an Olympic lift. Oh, that's the guy's name, right? Yep, I remember Tommy Mish yep, Tommy Mashagna. Yep, yep. And he was part of the jumping team that was jumping after yep. I competed that uh, competed that one sixty five clean and jerk, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, were, everybody was going berserk after I put the weight down. Never. Never forget that. And I had Lou uh, DeMarco. He was coaching me. Artie Dreschler was told. They were all, all, all right, going Mike, berserk. It was, a, it was great good, interviewing good you and good yeah. to uh, talk with you again after so many years. Yeah. Yeah. And I thank you for, I really appreciate you doing this for me. And I want to, we'll, we'll keep in touch more and uh, okay. looking at you looking, yeah, looking great know. shape and, uh, you know, and say hi to Bill for me, you know, and cause I haven't spoken to yeah. him in, <laughs> in a lot of years and a lot of, to, a lot of fond memories. Him, Tell him uh, I still have the diaries. Okay. Uh, take care of yourself, Mike. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.